Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. Today, we're talking to business owners, spokespersons, and managers about how to handle a significant crisis. By the end of this episode, you're going to be able to plan, prepare, and manage a crisis situation and develop a really strong brand protection plan for your business. And if you are going to be uh, joining us live uh, today, I think it's uh, really important here that you jump into the conversation. I know, Diane, you're going to break down what we're going to be talking about. But in the meantime, tell us if you have a crisis plan. Have you started one? If you have, uh, tell us about it. If you haven't, tell us why you have not started one yet. And that's where we're going to break it down into the mini conversations that we're going to first look at the eight steps of a crisis management plan. Um, and then you're going to sneak peek at what we do here at MNC and what's in our go bag. So we are ready at a moment's notice. And that was really important this week. And finally, you'll deep dive into messaging, not only at the beginning of the crisis, but throughout the crisis and how you're going to handle that. That's that's another really important thing to have that'll give you some solace and some peace at night when you're trying to figure out what the next day is going to bring. And speaking of which, um, we are debuting a new one sheet that you can download absolutely free uh, once our blog post goes live. And that is going to be our crisis go bag. We're going to detail what we have in ours and give you some ideas of what you can pack away in yours in case that phone rings and you have to move out the door immediately. Yeah, so you can get that on the website at movethestairs.com. So before we get into nitty gritty details, um, it's useful to take a look at some research for managing a crisis situation. And this week we helped a client manage a very, very upsetting situation in Boulder um, near near where we are, um, the very unfortunate uh uh, grocery store uh, shooting incident. And um, it's those are the most difficult, the most challenging, the most upsetting situations um, that affect the most people. And when we're planning for something like this, it is useful to take a look at some research um, for managing, really successfully managing a crisis situation. Um, the Harvard Business Review published a wonderful article 
um, that talks about the Stockdale Paradox. It's named for a man named uh, Admiral James Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for seven and a half years. And he said what helped him make it through that harrowing ordeal was this. He said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And that one, that one actually really gets to me when I, um, you know, read that because I think it's so useful for thinking about how to prepare and manage a crisis situation. And hopefully you're never in one, um, you know, as, as, as upsetting and terrible as, as the one that we're talking about today. But that's what we're going to help walk you through today is how to steal your resolve that you will prevail over the crisis you're facing at the moment through the discipline of facing and dealing with every single day, every development that might come your way with a straightforward, direct, and calm determination. So that's what we're talking about today. And I think that um, in my experience, my first major crisis was the Oklahoma City bombing. It went through Columbine and I was in New York for 9-11. And I, I mean, it's, it goes on and on and on, right? But um, the reality is that the first one is so shocking. It's so hard to have any type of steely resolve. And you have to find places to really um, handle your emotions and, and let them go for a little while and then come back. Uh, that's really important. And, and that's where you get that calm determination. But especially if you're the leader, being calm is really important. So we have our eight steps to crisis management. And I think these steps really help us. And this week, unfortunately, um, as Sarah said, we've been helping a client with handle the devastating grocery store shooting in Boulder. Um, and this situation really began Monday afternoon. And as we know, it ended with 10 people dead um, and a community who's just reeling um, and starting that long and difficult healing process and asking that question that everybody wants answered immediately and can never be answered immediately. And that's why that is always the question. So our job has been to help support them um, through getting out the crush of information, um, making split second decisions and really compassionate messaging um, as well as media management that you have to do all at once when a situation like this happens. Right, and that's the that's the real challenge is that everything needs to happen so quickly, and and you, and it needs to be right. So here's where we start um, with every crisis or every potential crisis. We actually have a document called the MNC Eight Step Crisis um, Checklist, and this just helps orient your brain and make sure that you don't miss anything. So step one um, is to define whether this is a crisis or an issue. And um, unfortunately, this was a crisis and there's, there's no question about it because people were, we knew that people were hurt and then we found out later that, that it was worse than that. Um, and so, you know, we counsel clients to think um, if this is an issue, so 
this is something that could damage your reputation. It could cause a flare up on social media. It could turn into something. That's an issue. Let's set some alerts, keep an eye on it, think about messaging, kind of be ready. If it is a crisis, a true crisis situation um, where lives are threatened, where um, livelihoods are threatened, where there's a fire, some other dramatic event going, that's a crisis and that requires immediate action. So that's step one, decide whether you are dealing with an issue or a crisis. So step two is, you know, you want to pull up that crisis plan that you have. And you know, we've, we've spoken at length at how you don't have to have a 30 page manual here, but a simple one sheet where you're looking at a scenario where you say, if this happens, then what do I do next? So if you have uh, somebody get hurt, what do you do next? If there is a loss of life, what do you do next? You can make it this broad within your crisis plan. So at least you have a bit of a leg to stand on when it comes to addressing um, what's happening to your team first and foremost, and then helping uh, local authorities if need be, if it's a situation like unfortunately we saw earlier this week in Boulder. Uh, also, before you start to roll out this plan, you have to determine who's in charge. This is really important because if you have mixed messaging coming from um, the top of your C-suite, uh, while you also have managers communicating with uh, local authorities, it, the messaging can get muddled and very confusing very quickly. And all three of us know as former journalists and scenarios like we saw in Boulder earlier this week, uh, information often comes out very muddled to begin with. So anything that you can do to potentially clear that up um, as you're trying to communicate with your employees, your customers, uh, local authorities is going to be really important to help keep that line of communication clear and open with those who you're trying to speak with. Absolutely. And remember in that communication that you are really talking to journalists who are also being impacted emotionally by whatever it is that happened. Um, and that many of them will be covering this type of a scenario for the first time. So that compassion on your end is very important when you're talking about the messaging. And your first, of course, your first audience is always your employees. You want to make sure that you're really thinking about your employees and how you're helping them first a lot of other things take care of themselves when you can keep that in your mind. So the fourth thing you do is you go. Um, and we have a system in place at MNC Communications where our three roles are very clearly defined. Jordan grabs the lights and the camera. He's the video guy. He's ready to go and shoot video for the client of what, what is going on if it's appropriate. I grab my go bag. Um, and we're going to talk about what's in my go bag in just a minute. But I basically set up a mobile command center. And Sarah, she takes over coordinating the team. She's our home base. Um, she is doing everything from feeding us the newest information as we are driving to wherever it is that we have to be. And she's starting to work on what the media is asking and on messaging. Um, and remember, we have to have that hold statement. So she's working on that to, to get out that you know that a crisis is happening um, and that you're gathering more information. And on Monday, we were rolling with everything we needed by about 4 p.m. I think the incident happened about an hour before. 
and we were on location and ready to go by five. So that's how fast we move and we're used to moving that fast. Um, and that's very, very important. And having that person back at home base, I can't emphasize that enough. You need that person that's coordinating everything because you don't want to have an accident on the way. You don't want to be thinking, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do the other thing. You've got enough on your mind that while you're making that drive, let your mind do what it has to do, but you got to focus on the driving. And I think sometimes that's forgotten some of these crisis plans because that drive can be very harrowing. Yeah, right. no kidding. And, you know, while, Diane, you and I were driving um, up to the Boulder area, Sarah was also setting up Google Alerts as right. well. Um, we, we used the Meltwater software for, for digital monitoring. Um, in those types of things where you need to have that set of hands in front of a computer at all times, especially in support of a client in a crisis like this, is really important so that those who are focusing on getting up to the scene can get up there safely um, and then execute what they need to do based on the information that that person, in our case, Sarah Beatty, is uh, researching for us on the way up. Well, and what was so useful on Monday is that there was a holding statement, what we call a holding statement, ready to go. And this is something that we really encourage people to think about ahead of time. Now, this is not a complicated statement. Mm -hmm. You could write this in 15 minutes. We are aware that information about this situation is happening at location. Um, we are in the process of gathering more information um, and we'll be uh, sharing that information as soon as we can or at a set time. So it's about three sentences. Um, you know, the situation on Monday required that that um, needed to be adapted um, to reflect the seriousness of that situation, the, um, the very significant um, impact to the people involved. But the point is that you can sit down in about 15 minutes and get kind of a skeleton of an outline to put together that can be very, very quickly updated and then deployed uh, on your owned media, your social media, your website or, or other places. So that's the beginning of messaging. Um, but step five continues that, which is review and control your messaging. So here's what we mean by this. Um, take a look at the other communications that you might already have in place and make sure that anything that might be previously scheduled um, is appropriate to the situation. So this might mean that you need to pause your social media feeds because social media generally is going to be, you know, cheery, fun content. Well, that is not the place to have cheery, fun content being published um, when something very, very tragic and upsetting is happening. So you may need to pause your social media feeds immediately. Who's in charge of doing that? You may have um, commercials that you've already, uh, you know, if you're a large enough entity, you might have commercials that you've bought um, for TV and radio. You may need to place an emergency call and say, stop all ads. We don't need to be um, putting out our TV commercials, our fun, upbeat TV commercials when there's something like this happening. You may have blog content that is previously scheduled that's on something kind of fun and interesting. Um, and that's not the right place, uh, not the right time for that sort of blog content. 
So you need to think through the messaging that may already be previously scheduled and potentially um, put a hold on that until the situation becomes more clear or settles down. Then you need to get started on drafting short informational statements. And by informational, I mean totally confirmed information, not we think this is what happened or we're guessing that this happened or, you know, we here's the information that we think might be accurate. Nope. Your first statements are very short. They are verified. They are informational based on what you know at the moment. And you may need to, if the situation is serious enough, start to think about being ready for a press conference. And Diane, I want you to talk about this mnemonic. Um, you know, this is something that we work with people on. We call it sort of VIP messaging. And this is just a, a way to think about being really short and really focused in an initial press conference situation. Right, exactly. So um, let's talk about the nuts and bolts real quick about that. And then we'll go back to the mnemonic. But I think first you want to set up a mobile command location. Um, you know, I make sure that I have all my gold go bag supplies with me. And you're going to find the go bag supplies on the printable one sheet that Sarah was referring to when you go to our website. But a tent, a table, chairs, communications equipment, um, a backup generator, pens, paper, even snacks and water, all of those things are ready to go and can be put in my car at a moment's notice so that we are moving and so that we're setting up. And not only are we setting up for ourselves, but we're setting up for the journalists as well because everybody is under tremendous pressure. You don't know what the weather is going to be. All of those things really matter. Um, you also need to, to set up an area for the media who may want to cover the event and making them comfortable. You know, and it, you're going through the crisis and you're thinking, what difference does it make? They're going to be all over the place. Well, if you have one central location, they will congregate there. Yes, they're going to move around still, but they will congregate at that central location. And that does help you manage that message. And then as Sarah said, the message, I want you to always think while you're giving facts, you must always have the tone of compassion while you're giving the facts. Because if this is a crisis, 99% of the time, somebody's been hurt or killed. And so that is so important. You have to acknowledge that. And that happens at the very top of whatever it is that you're putting together. Because while you're managing the location, your demeanor really matters. And when you come up, you know what kind of questions they're going to ask. And if you don't, think about it now. Again, they want to know why it happened. And at the time that you hold the first press conference, you don't know why it happened but understand and honor the fact that they wanna know that. And they're gonna ask you dozens of questions you don't have the answer to. But if you can say, I understand where you're coming from on that question and we really wanna to get to that answer too. We don't have it right now, but we'll, we'll, we will be back in an hour or we will be back in two hours, but give a time frame from when you're gonna come back and you're hopefully going to have more answers. You may not have all the answers, but, but your demeanor is we're open, we're transparent. We're trying to give you as much information as we possibly can. But at the same time, please understand that this crisis is unfolding before us. And we also have families and friends who are watching. And we don't want to give you any information before we talk to them. 
And as we know, in the Boulder situation, many of the families were not contacted until 3 a.m. the next morning. So there was a lot of lag time here where reporters are trying, clamoring, trying so hard to figure things out. And I do have to give the reporters credit. They had a name of a, a shooter, uh, of the shooter that was wrong, but they did not publish it. There was a lot going on about this one name and that person had nothing to do with it. And I think reporters have learned, especially the seasoned reporters have learned from years of covering crises that they have to be so very, very careful. So you wanna give them what you can but I remember that also your employees want to know what's next for them. They're terrified. I mean, they've just gone through a crisis situation. Also, are they going to have money to buy food at the end of the week? How will they, will they ever be able to come back to this location to work again? If not, where are they going to work? All these things are adding to the crisis and acknowledging that those questions are out there. Even if you don't have the answers yet says we're thinking about this. We're putting this together. We're getting there. Um, and that you are uppermost in our mind. So those are all very important things to think about when you're making that statement. And when I say all that, the statement could still be five sentences and hit mm -hmm. all of those topics. Um, and you want to get in and get out of in front of the media as quickly as possible, because the fact is you don't have a whole lot to say. And the more questions you're asked um, and the more you don't have to say, um, it just gives the wrong perception to people that are that are watching, that are viewing, that desperately want information. And that helps us you know, segue into step seven, um, Sarah and Diane, because as you are wrapping up your portion of that initial press conference, you are actively listening, not only to what other law enforcement officials are saying or whomever may be um, also involved in that press conference, but you're listening to the types of questions that media is asking and you're taking notes, um, whether it's mental notes because you want to actively listen and you don't necessarily wanna be um, behind them, um, not looking like you're paying attention because that would be a bad look as well. Right. Um, but even if you go back and watch the press conference and jot down what types of questions are being asked, um, who is leaving you voicemails? What are they asking you? Make yourself a list and then check those notes at the end of the day to make sure that A, you're following where the media is going with this story. Initially, it's going to be the nuts and bolts of what just transpired, but as you get days beyond um, the initial incident, you're going to start to see a splinter of coverage and you're gonna to start to see specific reporters who are local following a certain angle. So it's really important to not only know um, who is following what type of angle with the specific case, uh, but also making sure you're getting back to these people. And that if somebody leaves you a voicemail, as Diana alluded, uh, alluded to earlier, uh, you, you may be able to get back to them and say, hey, you know, we're, we're still working on, you know, uh, uh, specific information with our law enforcement uh, partners in this. Uh, this would be a great question for them because we can't comment right now or we just don't know. And that's OK to say as well. But in a situation like this, it's important to make sure you follow up with everyone who has reached out to you because uh, this is going to help you when it comes down to. Uh, you know, you get days after the initial incident and people are starting to take different angles in following this story in a different way. And eventually you have put a little bit of trust in that reporter. Absolutely. And then step eight is refilling the trust bucket. And this is truly the most delicate portion 
Um, so the crisis has happened. Um, you're starting to get out there what you're going to do. The media, um, you want to follow that media coverage closely. That will lead you. If there is a reporter who has a unique angle on any day, I can promise you the next day, every other station is going to have it. So if you get hit with something that you're not quite ready for, um, know that you need to be ready for it for the next day. You want to constantly be a, a day ahead on what's happening. Now, I know that when you're in the midst of a crisis, you're just trying to get through the next minute. So you need somebody that you can rely on who can kind of be at that 30,000 foot level, who's thinking about tomorrow and what messages are going to be needed for tomorrow. Um, the other thing that I think is very interesting is there will be things that you will do and you have to think about the MNC3 about how they could be taken. So you may be doing the most magnanimous thing for your um, for your employees, but will other people say, well, that wasn't enough, or they're trying mm -hmm. to buy them off, or they're trying to make sure they don't get um, they don't get sued? Um, and the answer is yes. The mm -hmm. answer is absolutely yes. So you have to you have to weigh those types of messages about how much you talk, but you don't want to be silent. That is so important not to be silent. So you want to compassionately and authentically support those who are impacted by the incident. You want to put procedures in place so that you hopefully can prevent future situations. And if it is one of these crazy one-off things that happens in different crises, you have a lone wolf situation or whatever, the reality is you still want to take a very close look at it, but maybe you want to work with an industry partner to do that. Um, because it's, it's a whole industry issue. It's not just your company's issue. But the fact is you're taking the time to review it. That helps refill that trust bucket. That says, we take this very seriously and we're going to really look at this. And you also want to support the community in the healing process. You don't want to be heavy handed with it in any way, any way but you do want to make sure that people know that you care. So your work walk in a very fine line as you're going through all of this. And we get that it's a very fine line to walk, but it's important to walk the line. And it's important to figure this out and not say, I just have to handle this one thing. I cannot think of all these other things. You must do that. And if you can think of them now, I mean, for instance, we know that if there is a shooting and the shooter lives, um, that there's gonna be a court appearance. There's gonna be investigation. If people are hurt, there's going to be stories on the people. If people die, not only will there be stories on the people, but there will be funerals. All these things happen in every one of these types of stories. Mm -hmm. They usually happen in pretty much the same order. So you know that these things are coming and you want to be prepared for what you can do so that you can show that you're, you're in cadence with the rest of the community and that you are supporting them. It's so very important. And I think a really good point here is that refilling the trust bucket is not like scoop and, and it's refilled. Right. It's sort of drop by drop. It's making sure through your um, alerts, through your media monitoring, through all the work that you're doing, um, you know, addressing things as they come up and refilling that bucket little bit by little bit by little bit <clears throat> very carefully very thoughtfully, very compassionately, um, depending on what's happening uh, every day. So, 
you know, while we all sort of think of taking a bucket and, you know, bailing out a, a bailing out your boat, um, it's not a one scoop and, and, you know, the bucket's full and you fix the problem. This is a, you know, dropper full at a time uh, to rebuild that trust that, that has been lost and has affected your business, your company, your brand. That's a really good point, Sarah. Uh, and this is a lot of information to go through. So we'll post this comment now, but if you're listening later, feel free to come back and comment here. But how will this eight-step process help you get started for a crisis communication situation uh, that involves your business? We want to hear from you. Don't forget, we also have our free downloadable one sheet with actionable strategies. In this case, we're debuting a new one sheet uh, which shows you what is in our crisis go bag. So this is a great piece of information to help get you started. And you're certainly more than welcome to add uh, any additional items that may be uh, unique for your business to this list, but highly encourage you go to movethestairs.com and download that for free right after we're done. And if you're wondering what move the stairs means, remember it means taking whatever life gives you and really focusing in on it and looking for ways that you can make the best of that situation. And that means that you have to be honest about what really is going on and, and, and getting yourself through it. But if you have the plan, which is key, if you have a plan that, that's already in the back of your head or that's on a one sheet, um, fact is that really focus in on that. What's the next step? It will help you move through a crisis. And that's where you move the stairs. So let's get into our crisis go bag. We're going to quickly um, open up our crisis go bag because um, that's such a, a funny term. And um, and actually, there's really practical reasons behind everything that is in our go bag. Um, so I'd like to walk through that really quickly. Um, Diane, why don't you start by telling us, because you are um, on scene helping the client and setting up a mobile command center. So tell us please, what is in your go bag? So first off, I have a, a pop-up tent, you know, one of those coverings that, I don't know if tent's the right word guys, but you, that's what I call it. But anyway, it's, you know, so if it's raining, we're underneath a structure. If it's snowing, we're underneath a structure. Um, that it's big enough that if we needed to, we could have media under it as well just so that as we're talking you don't you're not wiping the the rain out of your face and all of the all the things that are distracting um i have a, a a table i have several chairs that i bring but most importantly i have batteries and i have a mobile generator that i can literally put on my shoulder um so that there are places for us to plug in microphones there are places for us to plug in our phones there are places for us to plug in our computers all the things because if you're going to be there for hours and sometimes days you need to have that location i also have food and water in my go bag i have pens and pencils and legal pads or reporter books notebooks that's really really important what's really nice now is because of, of everything being electronically available you don't have to carry all the stuff that you normally carry people can go to things on their uh, on their computers and Sarah was putting up information, so that helps. But that's that's primarily what's in my go bag. Boy, if we want to talk about my go bag, we're getting into a really heavy-handed electronics here. Um, laptop is in there. We're talking about our camera, uh, extra batteries, which are always charged, by the way. 
Um, we're talking about our light kit as well, our GoPros, because you never know what you're going to need. Um, so it's best to just kind of have everything in one spot ready to go. Um, portable chargers, just in case. I know Diane has that big power charging bank, but if you're on the go or reporters on the go and they need some power, um, I've got those little handheld ones you can just slide in your pocket. Um, multiple pairs of headphones. I've got the traditional ones here for the um, with the aux cable, but also the um, the lightning ones that can plug into the newer iPhone models. Those are all very important. Um, a notebook as well. That's going to be a common theme here uh, for all three of us. By the way, the notebook, I know that people are laughing. The notebook is critical because at some point, if you're standing out there in the cold and, and you know, you don't have the backup generator, or you're not nearby, your phone is going to die. And mm -hmm. you need a way to be able to jot down notes, jot down uh, contacts, phone numbers, whatever. So you need not only all of your tech equipment, but you need that analog backup because a pencil never dies you know, you can write down information in a notebook with a pen and pencil. So don't neglect the, you know, the analog elements of the go bag. So true. Uh, what else? Thumb drives, just in case, external hard drives. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, so basically, if you name the tech piece, it's going to be in my go bag. Lights. I think lights are very important. Mm -hmm. You have the, the lights light in there, right? Because when you're um, when you're doing the press conference, many times now that the news media will bring lights as well. But if you can light somebody again, it's easier for the audience to think about what you're saying as opposed to how you look. Exactly. And that's one of the things that's really important is that um, your your dress, you know, jewelry ladies, you're, you're out there to give information. But if you can light somebody so that they're. It's just easy on the eyes. It helps tremendously for people to listen as opposed to think, oh, my God, those poor people stuck out in that weather. What's going on? There's enough going on already that's distracting. You want to make your, your picture as, uh, as easy to, uh, to basically come through the camera so that the viewer is listening to what you say. And that's the kind of the rest of the list. And, and again, you can find this list on movethestairs.com. But you know, think about the clothing. Do you have appropriate outerwear? Monday was cold and snowy and, and miserable. So do you have your jacket, gloves, boots, hats? If it's summer, do you have a sun hat and a sun shirt, you know, so that you're not standing out, you know, getting blasted in the sun? Um, think about if you're going to be an on-camera spokesperson, uh, you know, do you have a go bag that has a solid color shirt, right? You don't want checks and stripes and all that. Mm -hmm. um, Nothing for, like I'm wearing right now. No. <laughs> for gals, you might think about throwing in a scarf because I could take this top um, and, and wear this one day and I could put a, a scarf on, you know, and kind of change that look and look like I'd been home and, you know, gotten a shower and some sleep just by putting a scarf in your bag. Um, guys, you might need a tie. Depends on the situation and depends on the industry. But think about whether you need a tie or a business jacket, maybe hanging in your office um, to throw on at a moment's notice. If this is a really serious situation, do you have a change of, of shoes? We know that on Monday, um, our client had to walk two to three miles to get to the situation. You're not doing that in heels. So you've got to have a change of shoes maybe in, in the trunk of your car. 
Um, do you have an overnight bag? Do you have a toiletry bag, your makeup um, that you can just grab quickly and chuck into an overnight situation because you know that you're going to be on location and managing the situation from the scene for at least a day or two and may not even be able to get back to the house. And, and remember, you're probably going to be on the 10 or 11 p.m. news. And yeah. you're probably going to be first thing in the morning. That could be as early as 5.30 in the morning if you're the spokesperson. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you may not have time to drive home. You may mm -hmm. have to go and, and either camp out at, at, at a an, in an office, which I certainly have done, or, yep. um, or, or rent a room. So if you have all of those things with you, and I can say in my go bag, my makeup did go with me. Um, and always goes with me, even if I'm not going to be on camera, because I don't know how long I'm going to be there. So it is really important to, th to think about how are you going to present yourself? Because remember, a calm demeanor is extremely mm -hmm. important. A compassionate and calm demeanor is important in a crisis. People appreciate that tremendously. Yeah. And then finally, um, you know, make sure that you've got a couple of comfort items. Guys, tissues. I mean, when you're standing out in the cold, you don't want to be doing this routine. So make sure that you've got just a couple things that are going to make the situation a little bit more comfortable. You've got tissues, you've got hand sanitizer, you've got extra masks, you've got um, some Band-aids, Sarah, you taught Band me band-aids <laughs> for, for if you're walking two miles, may end up having huge blisters on your feet. These are like the inside tips from us who have learned um, that band-aids um, can make all the difference in this. All the difference. If you're hurting like crazy. That's just adding to your stress. And that's the goal is to, to try and keep your stress down as much as possible. Yeah. Make sure you've got some water in the car. Um, and then, you know, one thing that we did on Monday uh, is I had Diane and Jordan rendezvous at Starbucks. Why Starbucks? Because there's one at every single stinking exit from every highway everywhere. They always have Wi-Fi, critical element. They always have lovely, clean bathrooms. And you can always get a bite to eat, a cup of coffee. It's kind of the, um, the emergency one-stop shop if you're in a, a situation that may take a while. Um, so those are just... Yeah, you want to be able to eat and drink. You want to think about those things because you have to keep your energy up, right? I mean, yes. so actually when Jordan got to Starbucks, I was inside grabbing a fruit and cheese box and mm -hmm. uh, and a chai because that's what I drink. Um, but and I said to Jordan, go grab something now. I don't know how long we're going to be here. So we could mm -hmm. be here or we could move for, have to move from here to another location where we're not going to be able to eat. So grab enough that we've got it in the car and we're going to be able to be to keep our, you know, to be healthy. Because you have to, there's a lot of self-care involved in a crisis situation. And it's the last thing that you think about, especially as you're running out the door with your go bag and all of that and the adrenaline's flowing. But many of these crisis situations go on for days. So how are you yeah. going to make sure that you can maintain your health? And by doing that, you're maintaining your energy and you're keeping your brain clear. All those things are really important. Well, so we and it sounds... Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan. It sounds silly, but I would encourage you. I think Diane was absolutely right. Have a fruit and cheese, you know, thing with something a little bit healthy with some good energy. Don't go have a cheeseburger. I know it's going to sound like the thing you want. Not only is it going to drip down your shirt, I guarantee you, I guarantee you. <laughs> 
but you're going to have a cheeseburger and an hour later not be able to think your way out of a wet paper bag. So it really is a strategically important decision to have something to eat that is keeps your head clear, keeps your energy up, you know, but helps you power through the situation you're in. And I'm so sorry, Jordan, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just going to ask uh, anybody who's watching now, tell us what's in your go bag. Do you have a go bag? And if you don't, um, we went through a pretty lengthy list here. So tell us which you think, uh, which item do you think is going to be most important for your current situation and in your current business, should something like this ever occur to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to know if anybody has some ideas for what might, uh, what we didn't mention in the go bag that they um, would love to see. So let's take a really quick minute to look ahead to next week. Um, all through March, we've been talking about sort of gardening, you know, greening up your PR plan. Um, and so next week, we're going to talk about using the metrics from Q1. So your brand protection metrics from Q1 to uh, make any changes that you might need to make to really um, jump into the game, both feet first in Q2. So that's next week. So we're going to walk through topic three here, which is managing crisis messaging. And we're going to get a little bit detailed um, in this. You hear us talk about this all the time, you guys. We have really powerful monitoring tools that help us tremendously in a crisis situation. We use Meltwater to keep an eye on local and national media coverage, as well as um, social media sentiment and trending themes to understand if there's something bubbling that might cause a problem. And we use Sprout Social for keeping very close tabs on what's being said on our clients' social media feeds. Now notice those are two different angles of looking at social media content. So Jordan, I want you to walk through um, how you set up dashboards for a crisis situation, produce client reports quickly, and how those social media um, monitoring softwares monitor different things depending on, on what we're looking at. Yeah, so the first thing is first here in building those crisis dashboards because you are just going to see an inundation of online noise is what we like to call it. So in building those dashboards, we can use a Boolean search, which is basically a search that tells us to omit certain words or to include certain words so that we can, first of all, filter through the noise. So we know that what's being discussed surrounding our client um, and whatever event or crisis they are going through um, is being reflected accurately in our report. So that's the first thing that we do. And that helps us tremendously uh, when we're trying to get them uh, information that they may need, you know, on a moment's notice. So once you have that dashboard built, um, the next thing you do is to pick which areas are most important for that client to monitor. So uh, we know, for instance, uh, the current client that we're working with, um, they are particularly interested in what is happening now. Give us a brief summary of what you've seen through our insider media relations expertise. What does it mean to them? And then we look at uh, not only through that summary, uh, also the, the sheer number of um, events and mentions that have happened um, in the digital space or in broadcast space too, because that's particularly important while also keeping an eye on what's happening with social media. And then using our expertise, we're trying to look ahead at what's going to happen next. And Diane pointed this out, I believe earlier in the uh, conversation, is there's tremendous value in knowing what 
what angle is going to be coming next, especially when you're in a, a terrible situation like uh, what's happening in Boulder right now. So all three of those things are very important. And you can use your digital listening um, tools to start to identify trends. So we've, for instance, noticed um, there's a bit of a dichotomy happening right now um, between what is being talked about national media to what's being talked about locally. And we see that with every uh, tragic shooting event like this, unfortunately, um, because local media isn't going anywhere. They're here to stay. And national media is going to move on to the next breaking news scenario that happens. You're going to always see that split, but identifying when that's going to happen and how it's going to happen can be really tremendous when you're going through to try to keep your messaging straight, um, especially as you're trying to communicate with victims, um, employees, customers, law enforcement, whomever may be listening, really. Um, so what are you going to do with these media reports? Um, you're going to look ahead, as I mentioned, uh, and, and try to figure out what's happening next, because there's if you know what's going to be happening tomorrow, as Sarah pointed out, uh, you can have that messaging prepared ahead of time. And if you can do that, you're going to be ahead of the eight ball. And if you, um, you know, it'll particularly help you from getting that message that may or that question that may come out of left field because you've already thought about it through this digital media analysis. You've seen this coming. Well, and that's how we use Twitter. Speaking of left field, Twitter is kind of all left field. Um, and, and I want to talk about being really strategic on Twitter. Um, if, you, if your company has a Twitter feed, um, it totally makes sense to go into your feed, into your posts, into your mentions, and look through what people have said on your feed. It also makes total sense to go into Twitter and look at hashtags. So for instance, the hashtag that is um, surfacing most often frequently right now is Boulder Strong. So go in, do a hashtag search on Boulder Strong and look at the mentions and the comments on that because you're gonna see a different group of people than the ones who follow you. And you're gonna see some stuff that bubbles up um, that may be different. So there's a bit of, um, sleuthing that you're going to be doing on Twitter so that you can get a, a fairly accurate picture of the public sentiment, the public mood. Um, what we uncovered this week is what some members of the public are asking local journalists. So if they're asking local journalists, guess what questions you're going to get? The journalists are going to turn around and come to you as the spokesperson for the company and say, oh, yeah, what about this? What about that? Um, you know, things that you may not have thought about, things that may not make any sense because of background information you have, so you wouldn't think that anyone would ask about them. But it's um, it's really helpful, again, to have divided your roles so that you've got one person who is making sure to check all of these different areas of Twitter to really get a very good picture of what's going on. And I will say, um, Twitter, love it or hate it, I love it. Jordan loves it. Um, it is almost like seeing directly into people's brains. You get an absolutely clear and unfiltered picture of what people are thinking out there. And um, though that can be, you know, a pretty wild and crazy uh, place to be, it's also very useful in a situation to um, be ready for the wildest and craziest question that you might get. And you can be ready and 
you know, really reflect well on your company. Well, while Sarah and Jordan love Twitter, I wouldn't say love is the term I would use, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is incredibly important to understand how, how to work it. And so developing those lists of the local journalists who are involved um, in, in covering your crisis, industry journalists and other channels outside of your own social channels um, is so important. So you need to have somebody dedicated. And what we do is we actually split it up. So at night, that's my turn. I'm I'm going at night. And I realize, you know, if you see a retweet, you can just scroll right through that because you've already looked at it like 10,000 times, right? So you can go through fairly quickly. And I can do two hours of Twitter during a crisis um, in about 20 minutes. Um, and that's that's about how long it takes for me to go through and make sure there's nothing strange there or nothing that's picking up steam. Because as Sarah said, and I think this is so important, you will have so much more information um, and you're coming from a completely different perspective than the audience. The audience is thinking, well, why aren't they doing this? And why aren't they doing that? You know exactly why something is happening or isn't happening. And so sometimes you want to talk about that and sometimes you don't. But what you do want to know is how often is that question being asked? Is it being asked by somebody who has a, a strong following? Is there something, is the, is the story all of a sudden going sideways on something you never really imagined that would be an issue and somebody made it an issue? Um, you know, one of the, the audiences is the politicians. And so um, when you have politicians, you got a lot of things going on that are that can come from left field. And we know that. So because everybody has their own agenda. So the fact is that you want to be on Twitter and you want to look outside of your own social media. The, I wanted to also say, um, Sarah, you you have really talked about this, pinning whatever the latest information is from you at the top of your Twitter page is, is really important so that whenever anybody goes onto your Twitter page, they see that information, that compassionate, compassionate message. Um, and you may also want to go on your Facebook page and say, we're not going to be posting any information about this here. Please go to our Twitter page so that you only have to really focus on that one channel, which can really save you a lot of time. That's a that's a great point. And I would encourage anybody to, you know, every time you issue a statement of release, I would pin that new information to the top of your Twitter feed um, so that people can find it immediately. Because you know how Twitter feeds become compressed coal very, very quickly with all of the stuff that that gets pushed out on them so pinning the latest statement to the top of your twitter feed is really really important and jordan i want you to just explain again <clears throat> there's a there's a really good reason that we always say twitter is the place to be not facebook not linkedin not in a crisis situation explain why twitter's the place to be that's where journalists live uh, that that is going to be their number one go to social media platform to gain information. And we have uh, talked about this at length. Why? Because it's instantaneous. When breaking news happens, I guarantee I will see it on Twitter well before I see it on TV, well before I see it on any news station's website. And in some cases, Twitter will have more information even as the event is ongoing because it takes so little time to update that compared to going into a content management system and updating it on a website. So Twitter is going to be that number one place to go. And if you have a hashtag that is being used as the emergency hashtag for a current event, 
that's going to be the one that journalists uh, will search for to look for that up-to-date information that they know is coming from a reputable and reliable source. So absolutely, if you haven't looked into Twitter, uh, we highly encourage you to do so. And you can use those hashtags, by the way, to do a little bit of thinking about how the story is changing. So for instance, hashtag Monday, Tuesday, part of Wednesday was Boulder shooting. Mm -hmm. Hashtag is now switched to Boulder strong, mm -hmm. right? So you can, you can um, take a look at the changes in those hashtags to think um, about what, where people are. And, and that's sort of a, a sentiment and a, um, a bucket filling, trust bucket filling um, thought process. So there's lots of, of different ways to use Twitter uh, and those hashtags strategically. So we want to know what you think. Uh, what do you think about this brand protection strategy? I know it's a lot to digest, so certainly go back and re-listen if you have to. Take some notes, and we're always open to hearing your feedback. So let us know in the comments. Feel free to send us an email or drop us a line on Facebook. And to briefly recap today's Move the Stairs uh, chat, and we've gone long today, but I hope it's been very, very useful for you. We talked about the MNC eight-step crisis management plan so that it just is a quick way for you to think through uh, a crisis scenario and all of the steps that you need to take. Then we shared uh, what's in the MNC go bag or three our three go bags um, so that we are ready at a moment's notice and you can print out that downloadable from movethestairs.com um, so that you can get started creating your own go bag. And finally, we did a really deep dive into managing messaging during a crisis situation so that you can um, really strike the right tone and begin to um, repair the damage and build brand protection for your business. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Move the Stairs podcast and vlog and blog. Um, this is such an important episode. This is what we do. I mean, it's really the essence of who we are. Um, and we're here to help you protect your brand with brand protection PR. So I hope that you'll let us know if we can help you in any way, that you'll send us your questions. And uh, we're here for you, uh, especially in a crisis situation.